Chapter Thirty One of The Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Thirty One A Virgin Heart in Cipher. Gone and whither gone? Half aloud, I soliloquized the interrogatory. There was an echo from empty walls, but no reply even conjecture failed to furnish an answer the affair was altogether unexpected not anticipating that the squatter would leave his cabin before my return i had made no inquiry either about his destination or future designs i was therefore without the slightest clue as to whither he had gone nor should i have had any inquietude at this premature disappearance but for the words of the indian sibyl beyond the mere disappointment of missing an interview with lillian chagrin enough after such high raised expectation i should not have felt either uneasiness or regret it would have been but natural to believe that they had moved to some neighbor's house perhaps to that up the creek where lived the friend of lillian's father in all likelihood the saint i had seen or some other within a five-mile circuit or if even ten miles distant what would it matter to me a ride of ten miles twice a day would be nothing only an airing for my arab i should soon scent out the whereabouts of that sweet-smelling rose not all the forests in tennessee could hide from me my fair blooming flower such would have been my reflections no doubt had i not encountered the indian girl but her words of harsh warning now guided the current of my thoughts into a ruder channel you may go but only to grieve you will be too late figurative as was her speech and undefined its meaning it produced within me a presentiment sufficiently real that the removal was not a mere flit to some temporary shelter under a neighbor's roof but a departure for a distant point scarcely a presentiment but a belief a conviction around me were circumstances corroborative of this view the articles of furniture left behind though rude were still of a certain value especially to a householder of holt's condition and had the squatter designed to re-erect his roof-tree in the neighbourhood he would no doubt have taken them with him otherwise they were too heavy for a distant migration perhaps he intended to return for them if so but no there was no probability of his doing so i need not have tried to comfort myself with the reflection the innuendos of the indian had already negatived the hope still vaguely indulging in it however i cast a glance around the room in search of some object that might guide my conjectures to a more definite conclusion while so employed my eyes fell upon a piece of paper carelessly folded it lay upon the rough table the only object there with the exception of some crumbs of cornbread and the debris of a tobacco pipe i recognized the piece of paper it was an old acquaintance the leaf from my memorandum book upon which was written the laconic last will and testament jointly signed by the squatter and myself on observing this paper upon the table it did not occur to me that it had been left there with any design my reflection was that the squatter had taken it from the stump and carried it into the house perhaps to show it to his clerical visitor no doubt they had enjoyed a good laugh over it as a souvenir of a ludicrous incident and for this very reason i resolved upon preserving it i had taken the document in my hand and was about depositing it in my pocket-book when my eye was attracted by some fresh writing on the paper a slight scrutiny of the recent cipher secured for the torn leaf a deeper interest than i had before felt in it i saw that it was the chirography of a female hand what other than the hand of lillian i thought of no other beyond doubt her fingers had guided the pencil for it was pencil writing and guided it so deftly as to impress me with surprise and admiration 
astonished was i that she the child of a rude squatter should be able to set down her ideas in so fair a hand thoughts thrilling though simply expressed ah sweet simple words trembled my own hand as i read them trembled as from a spell of delirium a delirium produced by the antagonistic emotions of grief and joy yes both were present in that simple inscript i had found cue for both for there i learnt the ecstatic truth that i was beloved and along with it the bitter intelligence that my love was lost to me for ever words of welcome and words of woe how could they be thus commingled read them and learn to edward warfield stranger it is to say farewell but i am very sad as i write these words when you asked me to promise to meet you again i was happy i said yes oh sir it can never be we are going to some far place and shall be gone before you come here and i shall never see you again it is very distant and i do not know the name of the country for it is not in tennessee nor in the united states but somewhere in the west a long way beyond the mississippi river and the great prairies but it is a country where they dig gold out of the sand perhaps you have heard of it and might know it i tried to know its name but father is angry with me for speaking of you and will not tell me and our friend that you saw who is taking us with him will not tell me either but i shall find out soon and if i thought you might like to know where we are gone i would write to you i am glad that mother taught me to write though i do not compose very well but if you will allow me i will send a letter to swampville from the first place we come to to tell you the name of the country where we are going i know your name for it is upon this paper and i hope you will not think i have done wrong for i have written my own name beside it oh sir i am very sad that i am not to see you any more for i am afraid father will never come back i could cry all night and all day and i have cried a deal but i am afraid of their seeing me for both father and his friend have scolded me and said many things against you i do not like to hear them say things against you and for that reason i try not to let them know how very sorry i am that i am never to meet you any more brave stranger you saved my life but it is not that i think that makes me so unhappy now but something else you are so different from the others i have seen and what you said to me was not like anything i ever heard before your words sounded so sweet and i could have listened to them forever i remember every one of them and then i was so proud when you took the flower from me and held it to your lips for it made me think that you would be my friend i have been very lonely since my sister marion went away she went with the man you saw i hope to see her soon now as she is somewhere out in the country where we are going to but that will not make me happy if i can never see you again oh sir forgive me for writing all that i have written but i thought from what you said to me you would not be displeased with me for it and that is why i have written it but i must write no more for my eyes are full of tears and i cannot see the paper i hope you will not burn it but keep it to remember lillian holt yes lillian to the last hour of my life close to my bosom shall it lie that simple souvenir of your maiden love sacred page transcript of sweet truth hollowed by the first offerings of a virgin heart over and over and over again i read the cipher to me more touching than the wildest tale of romance alas it was not all joy there was more than a moiety of sadness constantly increasing its measure in another moment the sadness overcame the joy i tottered towards the chair and dropped into it my spirit completely prostrated by the conflicting emotions End of chapter thirty one